Today we're talking about the writing on the wall. And this is a kind of popular quote that people throw around nowadays, like, oh, I should have seen the writing on the wall. But really, it comes from the Bible in a story in the book of Daniel, from a story in the book of Daniel. And we're kind of just talking about that concept today and some personal stuff that happened this week that led us to, I don't know, I, I guess that led to this concept really hitting home for us. So today we're talking about the writing on the wall, what that was in our lives. We ignored that writing and maybe this podcast can help facilitate you seeing the writing on the wall in your own life. I want to thank every single one of you who has taken the time to write a review or click on the five star button and leave us a rating. That means so much to Elisha and I. It means just as much today. We're almost a year into this podcast as it meant a year ago. So I just want to thank you guys so, so much to keep us going. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, consider hitting that button. Hey, I'm Elisha Voberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. We are sitting in a newly renovated closet. I am all sorts of happy right now because the wall behind Elisha's head is no longer this kind of yellowy mocha color. Instead, it is bright white. So our closet is officially on to trend, folks. Yes, we were starting with the closet, just taking baby steps. And it's kind of funny that Katie even renovates our apartments, but it's just kind of a part of what you do now. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things like when I come into a home, I want it to feel like our home for however long we're there. And I was telling Elisha because he was like, Katie, like we know we're going to move like Lord willing. Well, also, we just don't own this apartment. Yeah. First of all, we don't own it. Second of all, it's new construction. So it was just all painted right before we moved in. So there's like it's perfectly clean and beautiful. And also... We are planning on moving in, I don't know, like a year, maybe less. I don't know. But I really like to feel settled. And I feel like painting is one way to do that. We've talked about this, but I moved like 21 times before I was 21. And that's just, you know, a fun thing to say. It rolls off the tongue. But I really like feeling like I'm going to live in a place. Like, I just want to, like, live there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to make it your own, like you said. Yeah, I don't want it to be, like, a transient, like, oh, we're just coming in, passing through. I yeah. don't want it to feel that way. So when you invest money into a place, mentally, I'm just 
here. Yeah, you're that much more committed for the yeah. time being. Yeah, for the time being, because I have no problem moving. And we have no idea how long we are going to be here, too. So I like that you mentally commit and you make it your own and you make it a home. Well, something that's funny is that in our very first apartment that Katie and I had when we were when we were newlyweds, it was what's our the landlord had just repainted it uh, right before I moved in. It's kind of a thing I like to do. You like to do? You like to move into newly repainted <laughs> of our apartments? Oh man, I like to paint over newly re- newly painted apartments. Yeah, and Katie, we had just moved into our new apartment, and Katie did not like the color at all. And I tried to reason with Katie. We're newlyweds, and so I didn't know I didn't know my wife very well at this point, and she obviously didn't know me very well either. And I, I kind of pushed her the idea of painting our apartment. I was like, well, we're not going to be here very long. Can't you just get used to the color? And you're adamant on changing the color. And I can remember you talked me into asking the landlord if we could change the co- if we could paint it. Uh-huh. And so I said, okay, I'll text the landlord. So I texted the landlord, and Katie bought paint that day and painted the whole downstairs before mm-hmm. we heard any response from the landlord. And the best part is, is that the landlord came by that evening to talk to us about it and he walked in the living room and of course the whole living room was a different color already painted and elisha had to bear the brunt of that because we weren't even married so i wasn't even living there it was just him oh was that right before we were married yeah it was before we were married i was really i had my tail on a knot to get that place like painted and feeling like ours before i moved in and honestly it was a lot like the color in this apartment Mm -hmm. it was but here the apartment's just nicer so it makes the color look nicer yeah but yeah I broke Elisha in with the closet. I was like, let's just do the closet. And he said we could paint the whole room now. And you did get permission from the landlords here. I did. Yeah, yes. this time I did it. Yeah. we. It was kind of a bummer to not get our deposit back at the last place. So <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to get our deposit back this time. Oh, man. Okay. So this week, let's see. I don't know how to say it other than I, um, I kind of I had a, men- a meltdown. I had I kind of cracked a little bit. And this was, what, three days ago, four days ago now. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of, I really snapped at Katie in, in the midst of a, a very petty little disagreement. I mean, like as petty as they can come, you know, in, in your married life. Just such a trivial, you know, topic. And yet I, we disagreed. And I really, I was, I was harsh. I, I, I was mean to you. Kate, I, you can attest to this. You can say yes. Well, it wasn't. One of your best moments. No, one of my worst, probably, in our marriage, anyways. And in a lot of ways, you know, as dumb as it was and as hurtful as it was to Katie, a lot of times these, I guess, blow ups or meltdowns or whatever you want to refer to them as are really, I feel like, God showing his mercy in our lives mm-hmm. when he really shows some things that are happening on the inside. And he lets them rear their head in, I mean, again, in this, this, in this uh, context, not an overly damaging way, but definitely an ugly way mm-hmm. where you have to address it. It, it. You cannot, you cannot ignore it any longer. You can't say, oh, well, that was, I was just joking or I didn't really mean it. Let's just move on. It was an, it was something that you and I had to talk through. And I had to discover and identify and acknowledge what was going on in my heart and in my mind and where this sin had taken root and how it had started to grow and fester in my, in my heart and how, and how that had start and how that happened. You know, how was I, how was it able to do this in my heart? 
And, um, you know, I mean, you can go into the logistics of life and what bring things about. You know, I think that for me, it's easy, it's easy to look in retrospect and say, man, there were so many things happening in my life. I was under this stress. I was under that stress. This was happening. That was happening. And that's why, uh, you know, I lost my temper and, and I shouted and I said such a mean thing. Uh, but in reality, life is stressful and we endure stress all the time. And this was, this wasn't that much more of a stressful season than other seasons of my life. And yet the fruits of the spirit were definitely not evident in my life and in my heart. And what's so cool about the fruits of the spirit is, as we've talked about, they're not the fruits of Elisha. They're not the fruits of Katie or thank goodness. Mm -hmm. They're not those fruits. They're the fruits of God. They're God's fruits. And those are not contingent upon circumstantially good times. Mm -hmm. The fruits of the spirit really, when you're walking in the spirit can be evident and they can be, uh, there can be, yeah, they, they can be showing forth at any time in your life. And this was a time that they clearly were not showing forth in my life. And so Katie and I, since then, uh, like I said, I've had just hours of good conversation about what's been going on and what led to, you know, me being so insensitive and mean and, and sinful. And we're both very excited to move on, move on from it in the sense that, you know, forgetting what is behind us and pressing towards the goal and acknowledging our freedom from this sin and walking in the freedom we have in Christ. But at the same time, we definitely want to learn from it and address what led to me getting to this point. And uh, so that was, that was, I think, Friday night, was it, Katie? Yeah, I think it was Friday night. And it is one of those things, like you said, where I do think it's God's faithfulness to break us if we are not walking closely with him. Mm. I am so grateful that he doesn't just allow us to continue down a path of ourselves, I guess, being consumed with the things of the world mm -hmm. or trying to fix our lives based on the world's standards. Mm -hmm. But he does break us and bring us to our knees. And one of the scariest verses in the Bible, oh man, I'm trying to think of what it is, but it's where it says that the Lord will give you over to your own desires mm. at a certain point. Mm. And Elisha and I never want to get there. Mm. We never want to get to the point to the place where we're just so headstrong in pursuing what we desire to pursue mm -hmm. that the Lord stops chastening. Yes. And yeah. He I think it's in James that he us. says, it says in James that he chastens whom he loves. I think that's in James. And I'm so grateful. I feel like this was a chastisement. Yeah. It was just, it was just a really clear moment. I think for us that, well, we, we were just talking through our life and it was like, well, we love where we're living, you know, like our home. We talked through Elisha's job, our marriage, our kids. There's just so many good things in our life. And so it was just clear that the strife we were going through, and this wasn't just one-sided, this wasn't just Elisha, but the place that we'd come to was just out of a need for a savior. Yes, 100%. And I think of, we've all heard and seen the analogy probably of the frog in the water that boils. And I'm grateful that we felt the burn before the water got to a, a deafening level, a deafening temperature to, to yeah. just bake us or to whatever happens in the water boiled to death. Um, 
And so I feel like we felt a burn and we were able to jump out of the boiling water and say, hold on, wait a second, what in the world is going on right now? And really take an, an assessment of what's been going on in our hearts and in our home and, and adjust accordingly, adjust, you know, realigning our thoughts and our mind and our heart towards the Lord. And something that's extremely challenging for me is, I don't know if anybody can relate with this, but things like career or finances or even fitness or continuing your education, those are things that are very easy for me to pursue. It's a very clear pursuit. And I do think men, uh, we're created in the image of God. You know, we all are created in the image of God. And I think mm-hmm. we have, God's a pursuer. He pursued us in his relationship with us. And I think we have it in our hearts to pursue things. And this world makes it so clear on how you can pursue advancements in your career or how you can pursue uh, you know, furthering your education or pursue making more money. But then when you realize, and, and again, pursuing those things are not bad, but when they take precedence in your heart and they start sitting on the throne of your heart and they become an idol, that's when you are hardening your heart towards the Lord and you start drifting away, I think, like the frog. So then in response, I say, okay, I need to pursue the Lord. But then what does that mean? You know, because like I said, it's so practical and clear when you're pursuing your career and schooling, but pursuing the Lord, what what does that mean? Well, I think even of that term pursuit, and I think the world is telling us pursue, 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 work harder, work harder, hustle. Wow, I am having a hard time talking tonight. <laughs> work harder, hustle more. And I think it's interesting because in the conversation we had that night, you were saying that you didn't know what the next thing was to pursue and you still felt like a hole was missing. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time you could clearly see that it was the relationship with God. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I I wouldn't have ever said that over the last three and a half years of marriage, I was neglecting my walk with the Lord. That said, there was always something in addition to my walk with the Lord that seemed like a very clear pursuit. And the thing that was between me and joy— always seemed very obvious. So from the time I started dating Katie, it was, okay, winning Katie's heart. That was the pursuit, was Katie's affection. And once I won Katie's affection, then I had to win your father's approval. And then I had to win your family's approval. And then I had to find enough money to pay for our own apartment. And then we had to pay for our honeymoon. We had to go to, we had to plan a wedding. And then all of a sudden we had to prepare for a baby because we were pregnant. And then we had our mm-hmm. baby and we got used to being a having a baby and I had to pursue more income to pay for our family. And then we had to get prepared for a second child and then a third child. And the pursuit was always very practical, mm-hmm. very real, and very, I guess, obvious to me in those moments. And it was going, trying to alleviate pain in my life and pursue more, well, maybe pleasure or, you know, just, you know, comfort, yeah, comfort, yeah. whether that be through finances or more comfortable living or a career that I was more proud of, a comfortable, more comfortable car for our family. And for the first time, literally in our marriage, I sit in my living room every, literally every evening and I've got my three healthy children and my beautiful wife. And a nicer apartment and home than we've ever lived in. It's so nice. It's so great. We've got a great car. I love the work that I do. I don't know what the thing is that I'm supposed to pursue. Mm -hmm. And that has left a huge void in my heart. And I've realized that, yes, while I never walked away from the Lord, I always had something else that I was pursuing in addition to the Lord. Or maybe even before the Lord. 
And here I find myself really, unfortunately, reaping the fruit of that. Well, I just, yeah, I just think that journey is so cool in a certain sense to see, wow, like we have been so blessed, but in blessings, there can be such a danger Mm. to that forgetfulness because we do just get so comfortable. And I know that I've gotten so comfortable in my life as well. And so we went to church on Sunday because after that conversation Friday night, Elisha and I were looking at our lives and just going, we have not prioritized being in God's word personally, being in God's word as a family, going to church is one of those things. Yeah, being in fellowship. Being in fellowship, yeah, with other believers. In that way, we have friends that are Christians. Um, And a lot of it was because we've been out of town. But regardless, that's what we've been prioritizing. And so we went to church and the pastor gave a sermon that, you know, like when the pastor gives a sermon that just... You feel he's speaking to you. I feel like that's what, what's his name? Pastor Kyle. Pastor Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to mean anything to like 99% of you guys, but (laughs) now, you know, if you meet Kyle, tell him, thank you. Um, And he was speaking on Daniel five and just to give you guys a little context, it was I just explained Elisha had me explain the story before we started the podcast and he was like uh, I don't know if you can explain it that clearly but basically Nebuchadnezzar had just okay we're gonna skip past yeah Nebuchadnezzar when he conquered the Israelites or he took over the Israelites and brought the Israelites into captivity in Babylon he took thousands of the gold vessels that the Israelites used to, the priests used to worship the Lord. Mm -hmm. And only the priests were allowed to drink off these vessels. They were super, super like holy. And Nebuchadnezzar's son-in-law, Belshazzar, decides to throw this big party, have everyone get drunk, and they're going to worship the gods, it says in Daniel 5, of stone, wood, you know, all these idols, basically. And he wanted to use the Israelites' holy vessels to do this. Hmm. Ultimately, God's vessels. And he was mocking God. So in the middle of this big drunken party he's throwing, a huge hand appears and writes these words on the wall. And I'm going <laughs> to... What are the words? Oh, I'm just looking at Elijah smiling at me. I don't know. You guys can correct my Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, but it was, they read, meeny, meeny, tackle. I don't think I should read this. Yes, meeny, meeny, tackle, tackle. What is it? <laughs> you were doing it so well before. Meeny, meeny, tackle a person. Oh. Okay. That's probably the worst pronunciation you'll ever hear of that. But basically, he didn't know what it meant, Belshazzar. And he was so scared, his knees started knocking together. So he called in his wise men, his magicians. Ultimately, the queen came in, and no one could figure out what this writing meant. And the queen was like, hey, you know that guy, Daniel? He is like a holy man. You should have him in here and see if he can interpret. And it's a long story, the interpretation part, because it was basically coded. But go read the chapter in Daniel 5, what we want to take away from this and what we took away from this sermon was 
ultimately, this handwriting on the wall, this writing on the wall was a foretelling of what was going to happen to Babylon. And ultimately, they were going to get taken over by the Persians and some other bad army, and they were going to divide the city. Hmm. And so basically, it's going to be the fall of Belshazzar. He thinks he's like inheriting this kingdom, taking over, and it's going to totally divide his kingdom. And Elisha and I were like, wow, there has been writing on the wall in our lives. There has been a foretelling of this moment where there was just a total emptiness, Hmm. I guess, even though we have so much. And it just made us think, okay, what are those? What were those signs that the Lord was giving that was leading up to this moment? Hmm. where were those moments where the writing was on the wall and we were ignoring it and just continuing towards this path of destruction, emptiness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I think that for me, the writing on the wall is really in my daily habits because it's not like, you know, in movies, whenever God's trying, whenever there's, they're trying to, uh, you know, portray God in a movie, it's like, you know, he changes, they change the letterings like on a road sign to, put some word up there like he sends like all these signs and so i don't think i was i mean maybe i was but i don't think i was missing any signs like that i don't think i was missing any literal writing on the wall but if you do an audit of the last three or six months of my life that was a foretelling that is a foretelling of what's to transpire in the coming it's 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 eminent at that point you don't know when Mm. it's going to happen or how it's going to happen but it, it wasn't good. I was not sowing seeds that pr- were going to produce spiritual fruit. And Katie and I, there's that quote that says, don't measure the success of your day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you sow. Oh, yeah. That's like the best quote ever. Yeah. So good. And I was failing to acknowledge the seeds that I was planting. And though the how I was spending my time or how I was not spending my time truly was an explicit foretelling of what was to come in my life. There are activities and disciplines that do bring forth spiritual fruit in a good way. And there are activities and habits that bring forth destruction. And I think that walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh can seem very um, uh, hard to define. You know, almost like you're ethereal if you're walking in the spirit. And (laughs) you're very, you know, I guess just sinful and human if you're walking in the flesh. Uh, And it's hard to say, okay, well, what are those activities? But I do think it can be very practical. God's word is a way I can walk in the spirit. It never returns void. Spending time in prayer, spending time obeying God by fellowshipping with believers in our community. And day in and day out and week in and week out, I was neglecting to do those very activities that bring forth fruit. Well, too, those seeds, you were sowing so many good seeds. And I think that's something that can get confused because you were sowing seeds in our marriage. Mm -hmm. You were sowing seeds in our children's lives. You were sowing seeds at work Mm -hmm. and personally. And that's why all these other things were going well. They were working there. In my own strength, I was finding a way to kind of make stuff work. Yeah. And if you read the Proverbs... Those, I feel like the Proverbs are like the self-help. It's like the self-help book of the Bible because it, they're just good principles. Yeah, they're truth. If they're you do universal. those things, whether it says, oh man, me and my references, I really should look up these verses before we start the podcast. But in the Bible, it says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And 
I think of that like with crops. The rain's going to fall on your field, whether you're a good guy or your field, whether you're a bad guy. And because of the laws of nature, the crops are going to grow. And it's like that if you, you know, don't speak, if you hold your words in and don't speak rashly, good things are going to happen. If you don't get out of bed and are lazy, bad things are going to happen. You know, poverty is going to come on you. So there's just these cause and effect verses. But ultimately, if we aren't sowing seeds in our walk with the Lord, and if we aren't prioritizing that relationship more than any other thing in our life, then all those other things don't really matter. They can't really, they can't fill that hole that Christ was designed to fill or that he wasn't necessarily designed to fill it, but we were designed to have a need for our savior. Yeah. And I think like what you're saying is that because these practical wisdom beats a bit bits of wisdom that apply to believers or non-believers alike, we were being pretty consistent in those things. You know, we were working on our marriage. We were going on date night. We were having courageous conversations. We are training our children. We are praying with our children. We were, you know, trying to discipline them in the appropriate ways. But we were, I was neglecting my actual personal relationship with my Lord and Savior. And it's funny because even that term personal relationship is something that I've often almost scoffed at because I'm just such a believer in that we're saved by what Christ did. You know, we're saved by the relationship he made for us because of the death. He gave us a relationship to God because of him breaking down that wall, that partition, and giving us, you know, access to God the Father. And so I've been in this place of saying, well, God did all the work. Christ did, or I'm saved by grace, which is true. But I often forget that we truly do serve a living God that we can walk with and talk with. And he's living today. And we and I just had failed to treat him as such. I, I've had failed to walk with him and talk with him and go to him uh, for strength and go to him for wisdom and go to him for joy. Uh, and, and again, that anybody, you know, sinful men and non-believing men can make a marriage work for for an amount for different amounts of time for the whole length of the marriage yeah they can probably make it work and they can probably find some practical ways to train their children in in an effective manner and to be successful in business but i don't want to live as a carnally minded person i want to live as a spiritually minded person abiding in the lord and i think at this time in history it is kind of great that we can reach this breaking point sooner than in other generations because like Elisha was saying especially for us that live in America and have the opportunity that we have here we're in our 20s and yes there is so much more to pursue if you choose to focus on that but we're able to reach a level of comfortability that causes us to look around and go what more is there to life Hmm. and I think we see that with suicide rates that are higher than ever before. People are getting to this place at a really young age of going, why am I here? Mm -hmm. I've achieved everything I've wanted. I've experienced what I've wanted to experience. And it has not brought me the satisfaction or the joy that I thought it would. Mm -hmm. So why am I here? Yep. And what's cool as believers is that when we get to that place and we ask, why am I here? And we do feel hopeless. The Lord is there. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's the one that gives us purpose. He has a purpose for us and a meaning for us. Yeah, he created us for his purpose. That's right. And I think we have to remember that sometimes, that if we fulfill all the things on our checklist, mm-hmm. the Lord has a way bigger plan than we could ever put on a checklist or yes. a dream board or yeah. a bucket list. Yeah. And so the sooner we get to the end of that rope, yes. the better, yeah. so that we could start living in the power and the freedom and the hope that the Lord's given to us. Yeah, you're so right, Katie. When you come to realize that, wait, my life's not my own. Sure, I had these desires. And and again, I love goals and I want them to be submitted to God's uh, will in my life, but I still have them and we've had them. And and sometimes they're just practical, like I talked about, just getting out of places of pain. But then you start realizing, wait, my life never really was my own. And now that I've ran out of goals or I've ran out of a desire to keep pursuing and I've lost ambition, well, that doesn't matter because my life's not my own. I am mm-hmm. I need to be submitted to God the Father, and I need his power in me. I always have. And I can. you can fool yourself for a moment in time thinking that you can stand in your own power, but that time will come to an end, and, and you really will see your need for a Savior and for a living and powerful God. So I just want to take a moment and ask our listeners, just take a moment and think of what is the writing on the wall in your life? Because it doesn't necessarily have to be your relationship with the Lord. It might be your relationship with your spouse. It might be the way that you're raising your children. It might be where you're going in business. What are, it might even be a health Like, what's the writing on the wall? Are we going towards diabetes? Yeah. You know, what are those signs that we've been ignoring? What are the red flags we've been ignoring in any area of our life? And for us, this happened in the biggest area of our life. But it can happen in more minor areas as well. And so I just thought that this was just a really good time for Elisha and I to reflect based on what had happened earlier in the week to just really consider what are those things for us? Mm-hmm. Because hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You can look back and say, oh, I see all the signs. Yep. I see all the signs. That's what we're doing now. Yep. But we want to, I want to work this sentence into our vocabulary and ask each other, you yep. know, hey, is there any writing on the wall? Right. Is there anything in our lives we just need to take a moment and think through? Are, is there any foretelling here of yep. impending doom in yep. an area in our life? Um, I just think it's a really, really good exercise to do before you get to a place of breaking or of hurt mm-hmm. or hopelessness or bitterness or yes. whatever the negative emotion is. Yes, you're so right, Katie. And I'm so grateful I've got your support, obviously your faithfulness and, and just can steadfast oh, love. I'm grateful I have yours. Uh, in this marriage where I, I do just have an opportunity to grow and to be with my Lord and Savior once again. And his mercies are new every single morning. Mm-hmm. That's just a truth that I want to hang on to. And I'm so grateful for that. And, and I think I'm, I have to remind myself even now that the practical things always seem most pertinent. And that's that's been every single morning and every single evening for the last probably six or eight months. Yeah. Just the practical things that you have to have to tend to and tend to. And you know, this is our first time having three children, so we've got that many more practical needs to tend to. And mm-hmm. things like my spiritual well being seems so impractical. 
And that's really because it is. In the big picture of this practical life, you do have to live differently. The world lives by just taking care of the practical needs of this life, but we're not of this world. And mm-hmm. so I don't want the practical things to start taking precedence in my life. I really want to address the spiritual well-being of myself first and foremost because that is literally the most important thing for for me for you for our Mm -hmm. whole family Mm -hmm. and for our future going forward yeah that's that's good we should end on that all right folks well thank you for listening we really enjoy hearing from you all we enjoy getting to know you whether it's by instagram or if we have the great pleasure of meeting you in person we're always so grateful when we get to talk to you. And also, we didn't get to say this at the beginning of the episode, but thank you so much for oh, yes. for supporting me and buying my, my children's album. You, have, so many of you have been so just kind and generous and supportive in this project of mine. And today's Tuesday, the day that this episode is going up, Tuesday is the last day that you're able to purchase the hard copy of my children's album. So if that's something that you wanted to do, you'll need to click on the link in the show notes and go purchase that today. After today, you'll be able to just get the digital downloads. And so it'll still be available online after today. And that link will still work. So if you're listening to this, like, you know, weeks from when we're recording it, the link will still work to go to the digital download version, but there will no longer be a hard copy on the website. Yep. And that and that link is just now that I'm a father.com if you want to go to that. Well, folks, thank you all so much and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.